On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to another edition of the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your co-host, Cody Felger, and I'm super excited for this podcast. We have a couple guests on today with us. One guest that you guys know pretty well, Andrew Thomason. Andrew, how you been doing, man? Doing well, Cody. Uh, It's good to be back, and I'm ready to roll. It is. And also, another special guest, first-time guest on the show, my girlfriend, Miss Lindsay Boyd. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks. How are you? Good. I'm super excited, like I mentioned, for this podcast, specifically because, you know, the reason why Derek and I and, and these guys do this podcast is because of the fans, because of the subscribers, because of the people who listen, leave very nice comments. And we wanted to say we wanted to say thank you to you guys for all the love that you've shown us over really this entire year, over 2019, 2020 been absolutely fantastic and we feel truly blessed uh by each and every one of your likes and subscriptions and comments and all that stuff so um earlier today um so we're recording this actually pretty late here on saturday night so it'll probably be coming out for you who are listening on sunday sunday morning or sunday afternoon whenever you get to this podcast but anyway we wanted to do something and hear back from some of our listeners and so I earlier today on Saturday decided to kind of put out a post on all our social media outlets. So that'd be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even on the channel here, kind of getting some of your Colts questions for us. And it's truly been awesome. Like Lindsay was going through all of these. And I think you said we had over 50 questions. And so obviously in this podcast, we're not going to be able to get through all these questions, but the awesome thing is we're going to get through all these questions. It's just going to be in probably two segments because there's just so much good content. We don't want to sell anybody short here on your question. So if your question is not asked tonight, don't worry. We'll get to it um, on the, on part two. And I'm not entirely sure when we're going to address part two, uh, but we kind of sorted it in a way of, you know, when we're recording this podcast, some, some fresh Colts news has happened within the last few weeks we want to kind of touch on that. And then there's some more like long-term kind of draft stuff um, that we'll address on part two of hearing back from you guys. And so we kind of structured it that way. There may be a few, you know, different questions, draft questions, stuff like that sprinkled in, but for the majority, it's going to be more of recent things that have happened and how that impacts the Colts today. So um, this is what's going to happen. Lindsay's going to read a question uh, one of your guys's questions and uh, Andrew and I are going to kind of, kind of give our take on these questions and, and kind of give you our thoughts and our analysis on that. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing today, guys. I'm super excited again, like I said, just to hear from you guys and hear the questions that you guys have brought. I was kind of scrolling through 
earlier today some of the questions, and I was like, man, this is going to be a really, really good podcast. So, Lindsay, without further ado, go ahead and start us off with the first question. All right. Marshall Gillikin says and asks, will we trade back up into the first round for a QB, or will we build around Rivers and Brissett? Thank you for sending that one in. You know, I mentioned on other podcasts, and Andrew, I don't know if we have talked about it before, but some of the things that I have seen from the Colts here, you know, based off of some of their moves, they indicate to me more of a win-now mentality. And then, you know, you can, you can reference so many moves that they've made, you know, some of those one-year deals that they've made. Most, re- most recently, Xavier Rhodes. Then obviously, you know, trading away that, that 13th overall pick for an impact defensive player like DeForest Buckner. Phillip Rivers on a one-year deal. All of these signs indicate to me that the Colts feel like they're ready to compete and they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl and a championship now. So I would say as far as the 2020 draft is concerned, I would not be opposed to trading up, but I feel like what, from what we've seen based off of what the Colts have done this offseason, what they've kind of communicated to the fans and to the team is that we want to build around Phillip Rivers for this year and see what we got. So I think they will probably try to build around Rivers this year and kind of see what happens and maybe try to address the quarterback position more in 2021. Um, kind of look at this as kind of a stopgap solution, but you know, Rivers is a veteran quarterback who's very familiar with this offense with Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator. So to answer that question, I would probably be more inclined based off of the Colts moves to say they're probably going to build around Rivers and Brissett this season and probably try to address the long-term solution at quarterback this next season. Yeah, I mean, I think you you pretty much hit all the key points there, Cody. Um, the Colts, again, to me, the moves that they've made suggest they're in a win-now mode. Um, you know, you mentioned Rivers, Buckner, Rhodes, um, Sheldon Day as well. Um, I, I mean, we know the importance of, of having a long-term answer at the quarterback position moving forward, but like I said, I agree. I think the moves that they've made this offseason indicate that they want to win now, they want to compete for a solid playoff spot and potentially a Super Bowl. Um, and I think I would be surprised, honestly, because we know how much Chris Ballard loves them picks uh, if he moved up and back into the first round to take a quarterback. The only way, personally, I could see that happening is if somebody like Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or maybe somebody else that we're not aware of that they like sort of falls into the first round. All right, guys. Uh, Raymond Solis asks, do you think Ballard's will trade Jacoby for some more draft capital? That's a good question, Raymond. Um, Right now, sort of kind of like how we answered the last question, um, this sort of applies here as well. I'd have to say no. Um, The reason I'm going to say no is because, like we had just mentioned, the moves that they've made this offseason sort of indicates they're ready to win now. Um, I think they love Jacoby's leadership. I'm not sure how they feel about him as a starter. Um, and from what I understand from the reports that I've read, and I don't know if Cody can attest to this as well, I think they tried to trade Brissett, um, and the market was not there. Uh, it wasn't what Chris Ballard was hoping to get. And so I think for now, the plan is to hold on to him uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think so too. And it's not like you're tied to him for multiple years. I mean, he's going to be a free agent next year when Philip Rivers is also going to be a free agent. So um, I'm not really too concerned. I mean, I think it was very telling that the Colts also 
you know, we're willing to pay Jacoby Brissett that $7 million bonus there last Sunday, as opposed to just outright cutting him or trading him for virtually nothing. I think they value, you know, maybe not him as a starter because we saw how that played out the last, you know, in 2019 and also in 2017. But um, I think they just value his presence in the locker room. I think that's something they're like, we're, we're willing to eat this for one year. Um, we're willing to do this because we think he's such a good guy for this locker room. And I would say that's probably why I would say the Colts, you know, if I was in Chris Ballard's shoes, I don't think they'll do this, but if I was in his shoes, I think I would have probably held on to Brissett too with the caveat of I'm going to try to get a quarterback there in the second to third round. If I'm not able to land a guy, it's okay. I'll just, I'll just draft another guy to build around Phillip rivers or add to that defense. And then I will, you know, try to find a quarterback next year and I'll just hold on to Jacoby Brissett. That's what I would probably do. I'm not sure if the Colts and I see eye to eye on that, but um, yeah, to answer that, I think probably not right now. Um, just based off of what we've heard from Brissett, we've heard from the Colts about Brissett and just everything like that. Um, I think they're they're willing to eat that and, and keep him for one more year. Awesome. All right. So Jay Barnes asks, will we release um, Vinatieri and get us a reliable person in there? Well, thanks for the question, but I uh, just want to say, first off, Adam Vinatieri is a free agent, so he will not, the Colts have a, chan- a choice to bring him back or not. Um, you have a guy in there, though, that I like in Chase McLaughlin, who came in late last year when Vinatieri went on IR, and I thought he played very well considering the circumstances. He's a young player. He was a rookie last year, kind of floated around different teams, and you know, I liked what I saw from Chase McLaughlin. I mean, he hit a couple 50-yarders. I think he only missed one field goal and that was from plus 50 yards but the one thing that stands out to me that we didn't see from Vinatieri last year he was absolutely perfect on extra points he didn't cost you points like Adam Vinatieri did he didn't cost you games like Adam Vinatieri did so I I like Chase McLaughlin I also saw reports they met with another kicker uh, college kicker and stuff like that so I think they're probably going to try to address it and also you know something that, that Chris Ballard has talked about when asked about Vinatieri. He said he's rehabbing right now. He's kind of going to see what happens. But um, it just kind of makes sense to me to roll with Chase McLaughlin and maybe bring another guy in for competition um, because he can't get much worse than what Adam Vinatieri was last year. It just was an absolute train wreck. He was ex- missing extra points, you know, easy, easy extra points, easy things that any other NFL kicker should make. Um, and I just think, yeah, I, I, I like Chase McLaughlin a lot. Um, I, I like just kind of exploring your options there. So um, I, I would say kind of roll with that if I was the Colts. I think that's probably what they'll do there. Yeah, I, I agree completely uh, with what you said, Cody. I'm a big fan of Chase McLaughlin as well. Um, he was with the San Francisco 49ers before being released, and then the Colts signed him off of waivers, as you mentioned, late last season. Um, and and I, I also agree that, Vinatieri's status as far as health uh, moving forward is going to be a key contributor as to whether or not Chris Fowler uh, feels necessary to, to bring him back. I mean, maybe he and Frank Reich and the, and the Colts coaching staff really like McLaughlin, uh, or maybe they feel like they want to give Vinatieri another shot. But uh, with last season sort of being a train wreck, both with extra points and field goals, I just, I just see them moving forward uh, with Chase McLaughlin uh, rather than bringing back Vinatieri. 
Yeah, before Lindsay, you go on to the next question, that just brought up a point, Andrew, that we have talked about before. You know, just when you get up there in age with with anything with sports, you know, when you have a lingering injury like Adam and Terry has, it seems like the last two years he's had this groin issue. When you get up there in age, it's just so much harder to rebound and so much harder to recover. And those injuries linger longer. And I think this is what we've seen with Vinatieri. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Andrew. I think it's time to move on from Vinatieri. As hard as that is, man, because he's been the Colts kicker ever since I watched them and really followed them. So it'll definitely be a huge change there um, to see Adam Vinatieri most likely not kicking in a Colts uniform next year. All right, great. John Snow asks, are we still getting clowny? Uh, great question, John. I'd probably have to say no. Um, you mean, you, I, you look at the amount of substantial moves the Colts have made this offseason, particularly on defense with the signing of um, Sheldon Day, uh, Xavier Rhodes, and then big trade with that 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner. Um, I, I think this is something that Cody and I briefly touched on during our last podcast. Clowney's looking for, from what I understand anyway, a short-term deal to start out and then hoping that he produces well enough to earn a long-term extension. And Chris Ballard, keep in mind, just paid DeForest Buckner $21 million a year um, over five years, and that's a lot of money. Uh, we've never really seen him commit that kind of money to a player before, um, and, and I'd be really shocked if he was wanting to commit that same kind of money to a second player, even though Clowney... Um, can can turn out to be a really productive and, and elite defensive end in the NFL. Yeah, he can. And his asking price is just absolutely nuts for, you know, he's a good player. I would say he's a above average player. He's I, but you know, I just don't think that for the money that he's asking and just up to his career, I don't think he's had double digit sacks at, at all in his career. And again, I know stats don't tell the whole story. Stats can be very misleading, but for a guy that wants that kind of money, you need a guy that you know is going to give you double-digit sacks. You need a game-changer. You need a DeForest Buckner-type player. I just don't know if Clowney is going to be like that. Um, he's a good player, certainly, but I just don't know if he's worth that kind of money right now. Um, he hasn't played in 16 games maybe once or twice in his career, um, so that's something you'll, else you'll have to factor in. And I just think you could get other guys, some serviceable guys there, that you know come a little bit cheaper maybe you bring back Jabal Sheard um, or you sign Everson Griffin of the Vikings um, just a veteran presence in there I mean you have a lot of options that you could do but I just don't see the Colts and Chris Ballard you know committing to another huge move like that it seems like he made that big move but a lot of his moves are more you know valued kind of deals at this point so unless Clowney's willing to come down significantly I don't see it happening personally All right. Um, Jeremy Barrett says uh, and asks, do you think Rivers is a good pick up or a flop? Yeah, I personally think that Philip Rivers is a good pickup, and I'll tell you why I think that. I think Philip Rivers is a good pickup because, one, he has that obvious connection with Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni. He's familiar with this offense a lot. And two... Last year, he had an absolutely awful offensive line. I mean, putrid offensive line, bottom feeder type of offensive line. When you go from that to 
one of the top five, arguably best offensive lines in the league. I mean, that's significant, especially at this point in his career. He's up there in the late thirties, late thirties there. He's not very mobile. He's not going to, you know, get out of a lot of sacks. He's not going to pull what Andrew Luck pulled for so many years. Um, I think it's good. I think he's a guy, man, that uh, just for all his faults last year, the facts are the pack, the, the chargers had one of the top 10 passing offense. I believe it was sixth passing offense in a league. So yeah, he has to cut down on the turnovers, which I think Frank Wright can help him with, but Compared to what the Colts had, the Colts had one of the worst passing offenses last year. The Chargers had one of the best. And so you kind of factor that in. He did that. Yeah, he made a lot of turnovers, but he did that with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Um, and I just think it's a pretty good connection there. He's, he's got some weapons and, you know, he, he's got some guys that he can use in kind of different roles. You know, think Naheem Himes, Paris Campbell, if he stays healthy, draft a couple guys in the draft. I mean, you're pretty set there with Phillip Rivers. Um, especially behind this offensive line that that's one of the best in the league that keeps their quarterback upright and a quarterback that can get the ball down the field. The Colts vertical passing offense, like I mentioned, was absolutely embarrassing last year, was absolutely horrible. But getting a guy like Rivers who can improve that, get T.Y. Hilton more, you know, more catches, more deep bombs down the field. I mean, the sky's the limit. I, I'm I actually am really on board with this pick. And like I mentioned, it's a one year deal. It's not like you're committing two, three, four years to Phillip Rivers. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. No harm, no foul. It didn't work out. And you can move on and try to address the quarterback position in the draft next year or in free agency next year, depending on what happens there. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Cody. Um, one thing to note here, I'm looking at Rivers' stats from last season. He had 4,615 passing yards, 23 passing touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. And I know some fans are sort of concerns with concerned with the amount of interceptions that he threw last year. However, from what I've heard, and this could just be rumor based, so I'm not sure. Um, but from what I understand, Rivers was frustrated with the lack of, as you mentioned, Cody pass protection from that just awful offensive line uh, there in Los Angeles. And he sort of just started throwing things up, hoping that his receivers can come down with it. Uh, whether or not that's true, I'm not sure. Um, but one thing that I think people seem to be forgetting about was the season before, the 2018 season, where the Chargers were 12-4 and four behind relatively the same offensive line. Here's a really interesting stat, Cody, that I'm just now finding out myself. In 2018, Brewers had 4,308 passing yards. That's close to 300 yards less than what he had in 2019. And he had 32 touchdowns in 2018 and 12 interceptions and 105 quarterback rating. So, I mean, he, he played pretty darn well. Um, and I mean, the other thing to note here is the 4,615 yards that he had this past season in 2019, that shows that he can still throw the ball down the field. You don't throw for almost 5,000 passing yards and not still have quality arm strength and be able to, to throw the ball down the field. So I, I'm really on board with this. Uh, like you said, Cody, you're not committing to him long-term. It's a one, one year deal. So if he doesn't come in and perform well, it's, you know, we let him go. Um, but I really, really like this move and I'm excited to see what the Colts do this year. Awesome. John Nielsen asks, do you believe that rivers will raise his game to another level, given that he's on a much better team than last year? 
uh, you know, this sort of kind of relates to the last question, but I think absolutely. Um, first of all, you know, I know as Cody mentioned in the last question, um, the offensive line is arguably the best in football. Uh, the running game is was top 10 last year. You have Marlon Mack, you have Naheem Hines who can sort of fill that Austin Eckler type player role that we saw Rivers have a lot of success with last season in Los Angeles. The weapons may not be there uh, in terms of, you know, the, the quality, I suppose you had a Keenan Allen and a Mike Williams and a Travis Benjamin and a Hunter Henry. Whereas in Indianapolis, Jack Doyle, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, uh, Zach Pascal um, aren't really up to the same level as those guys are. That being said, I think the Colts are going to use a lot of their resources in the draft, or at least some of them to address those needs at the wideout, help Rivers, maybe get another big bodied receiver to replace Devin Funches, who signed with the Packers recently, um, because we know Rivers has had a lot of success with throwing up to big bodied receivers. Mike Williams is the name that comes to mind for me. Um, but yeah, I think Rivers is going to have a, a great season. And I go back to what I said earlier about the amount of passing yards that he had this past season. There's no doubt in my mind that Philip Rivers can still play. And although the turnovers might be a concern, um, I think with Frank Reich and this Colts coaching staff behind him uh, and the, the amount of experience he has with running this kind of an offense, I think it, he's going to have a better year than most people believe. Yeah, Andrew, I agree with what you said there. I think you make a lot of good points there with Philip Rivers, and there's a lot of factors there. And, you know, quarterback's such a unique position where there's so many factors that have to happen for you to have a good season. You know, your offensive line obviously has to protect you, unless you're Andrew Luck, of course. Uh, your receivers have to catch the ball. You're, you have to have a decent running game to support you. All these things have to happen. And if one of those things is out of whack, it throws off your entire offense. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. And so, you know, with Rivers, I'm just, I think that he has a good supporting cast now. He knows the offense. You know, if the Colts address you mentioned in the draft, you know, the receiver position, tight end position, they give him some weapons. I mean, I think the sky's a limit for Phillip Rivers. I think he's a guy that he's such a fiery competitor. We saw that for years, especially when he came down and beat the Colts back to back years. Uh, he's just such a fiery guy and such a fiery competitor. And he's a guy, man, that, I'm excited to have in that locker room because Chris Ballard mentioned last year, there was such a lack of accountability, a lack of friction. He called it. And Philip Rivers is a guy that's not going to let guys settle at all. And, uh, you know, you know, I love Andrew Luck and I love Jacoby Brissett, but you know, let's be real. They weren't, they weren't fiery motivators. Like, like Philip Rivers is he's one of the most colorful quarterbacks in the league. And, uh, it's just absolutely I'm, – I'm super excited. I am really, really excited to see Philip Rivers in this offense with, Phil, with Frank Reich and kind of seeing what he does because I, I agree with you, Andrew. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people in terms of you know his production here. I think he's going to have a better season than a lot of people had predicted. I think there's a lot of factors, like we already mentioned, that go into that. Awesome, guys. Okay, so James uh, – James asks, what are your thoughts on the decisions from Frank sticking with Vinny and then standing behind Jacoby and now releasing Ebron? That's a good question. Um, That's interesting because, you know, I think sticking with Vinny is, you know, Cody and I kind of talked about earlier. Um, with the, with the sort of disastrous season that he had, 
I think that was more of a Chris Ballard decision than a Frank Reich decision, honestly. Um, and, and when you have somebody that's as considered arguably the greatest kicker of all time playing for your team uh, and he's injured, I don't think that's somebody you could just sort of kick to the curb, if you will, or put on the bench uh, as, as easily as, as some may believe, even though he's costing you points. I think they wanted to believe in Vinatieri. I think they wanted to um, help him get through his injury and, and maybe see where it would go from there uh, as far as his uh, contributions and, and productivity uh, with kicks. Uh, as far as Borset is concerned, um, really the Colts, honestly, I, I think for me anyways, this is a really simple answer. They didn't have any other option. I mean, Borset, yeah, the passing game was was just horrid last season. Um, he didn't really take many shots downfield. Um, but your backups weren't any better. Uh, Chad Kelly had issues off the field. And Brian Hoyer, my gosh, that Miami game um, just brings gives me nightmares. Honestly, um, I you know he just he needed to stay on the bench. Um, honestly, and and what was the other part of the question? Oh, with Ebron, I'm sorry, Ebron. Um, yeah, you know there there are sort of mixed opinions about whether Ebron gave up on the team or whether whether the Colts asked him to play hurt. Um, you know, to me, it doesn't really matter. Um, you, when you compare his first season with Andrew Luck, the 13 touchdowns to this past season, he wasn't as productive, regardless of whether that was due to injury or not. Um, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. And I think Chris Bowder was just ready to move in a different direction. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Hmm. So you touched on a lot of those, Andrew, so I won't, you know, continue to beat a dead horse here, but, uh, I think for me, yeah, this is, this is interesting. It's a very interesting topic, a couple different topics there that I kind of want to dive into, but yeah. So in regards to, uh, I guess Vinatieri first, you know, Chris, Chris Ballard and Frank Wright kind of were talking about, you know, they brought some kickers in when Vinatieri was struggling last year. And they basically said, you know, we, we brought those kickers in and in practice, Vinatieri was absolutely nailing the football. Like he was being, he was fantastic in practice and they were trying to figure out what's going on. And they felt confident. They said he is, you know, he's, he's outperforming all guys. So we're going to stick with him. And it's something, man, where you have, you know, the greatest of all time, like you mentioned, the, the all NFL points leader of all time. Like, what else are you going to do in that situation? It's just such a hard situation, um, especially especially if you feel like he still can do it. He thinks he can still do it. Uh, it's just such a hard situation to, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably would have tried to address it more than they did. But, you know, it's just something where it was such a weird, weird situation with Vinatieri struggling. Uh, that's something you haven't seen from him. And so you can always, you know, he's the greatest of all time, right? You, he always bounces back. But for this point, he didn't do that. And it was just weird. It was just an odd situation. Uh, as far as Jacoby Brissett goes, I think you touched on it, Andrew. I don't want to touch much on this one because I felt like the Colts didn't have any other option at that point. Your starting quarterback retires a few weeks before the season starts. What else are you going to do? You have to ride it out with him. Um, and then with Ebron, yeah, I just think it's something where, based off of what we've heard from Chris Ballard, especially, it seems like Eric Ebron kind of quit on the Colts. And, uh, that, you know, that's something, man, with when you're losing, when things aren't going well, I think that truly shows the character of your team. 
Uh, I, I don't want to point fingers or anything, but it just kind of was something, a weird situation. It didn't seem like it was a good one as far as Eric Ebron is concerned. So the Colts are just going to, they moved on. Obviously Eric Ebron's found a new home. So wish him all the best and, and hopefully the Colts can find a replacement for him um, this upcoming draft. Great responses guys. Just do it. Bell 32 asks, do you think there are any, there are other moves to be made in free agency? And if so, who would they be? You know, there's not a ton, honestly. I feel like the Colts have been really a lot more active than normal in free agency. And so, uh, you know, I mentioned a few, maybe Everson Griffin, maybe you bring back Jabal Sheard. Um, maybe there's some of your free agents you might want to bring back. Maybe Clayton Gathers. I don't know. There's not really a lot of guys that like interest me right now. Um, we might have to do a little more, more of a deep look there at some of the guys. All the all the receivers that I would want to sign are off the market now, so I probably wouldn't do that. Um, you've addressed the defensive line a couple in a couple with a couple moves. I don't know. Maybe if you can find some veteran offensive linemen to kind of give you some depth there, maybe I'd be on board with that. But it's just the, the market. You know, it's just there's so many guys off the market now. It's like I don't even know who I'd really even want on the Colts at this point. I don't even know who would really make an impact, and so. Uh, maybe Everson Griffin, if you're making me choose one. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me. Andrew, do you have anybody else that you, you kind of think would interest you that's still sitting there as a free agent? Yeah. Like you, Cody, I'm, I'm a fan of Everson Griffin and wouldn't be, wouldn't be um, opposed to, to Colts bringing him in. Um, as you mentioned, the wide receiver market has sort of dwindled down over the past few weeks. Um, not to say that there are any, quality um or maybe players under the radar if you will on the open market but to me uh, as you mentioned the colts made a lot of splashy moves they've been a lot more active than in years past and i think their best bet is to use that draft capital that they do have uh, and put it towards positions of need in this upcoming draft carter davis asks who else are we thinking of signing this offseason to go along with rivers buckner Rhodes, and day Uh, it's a great question, Carter. Um, you, you know, honestly, I, I wish I had a better answer than, than what I'm about to give you, but I, I'm not sure. Um, as you know, this sort of relates to the last question um, with in terms of you know who we think that the Colts should should potentially bring in, or if there are more are more moves to be made in free agency. And I, I just don't think there are. Uh, as I mentioned, I think the the Colts' best option is to use the draft capital that they have to address positions of need, whether it be wide receiver, defensive end, maybe some more depth on the offensive line. Um, but I, as far as I know, or as far as I can tell, I guess, I think they're done really making any more splashy moves. All right. Cherum 44 asks, who will be our receiving corps? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, you got T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell. I mean, that's really the three guys you know for sure are going to make the roster. Maybe Reese Fountain, man. He's been working. It seems like he's been, you know, coming off of that injury last year. That was such a terrible injury. Uh, but it seems like he's recovering well. So that's an exciting thing for him. But I think it's going to be some rookies. I really do. I think you're going to bring in some guys early on, get a guy in the second round, maybe a guy in the mid to later rounds. Uh, just, just upgrade that receiving core because, you know, beyond – 
Uh, you know, Paris Campbell's unproven at this point. Zach Pascal had a decent year, but I would kind of, I would like for him to be kind of a number four if I was choosing, even though I think he was pretty solid there for you. Maybe Ashton Doolin's a guy who, who, you know, brings it on here. He was a rookie last year. Um, he was just more reverted to special teams and stuff like that. Maybe he's a guy uh, there's, yeah. I mean, I, I think honestly, it's hard to say at this point because there are so many rookies, but, um, and the draft's about a month away now, but you know, overall I would probably say those three guys for sure. Um, throw in a couple of those unknown guys and then maybe add in some rookies there and kind of duke it out in training camp and see who makes the final roster. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I completely agree, Cody. I think it's going to come down to the guys that we typically saw last season and then uh, a couple of draft picks, a couple of rookies coming in to, to compete for that starting roster. Great responses, guys. Nathan Wright asks, if they don't re-sign Sherd, who, who steps into the running, stopping, and role this year? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think this is something that Cody and I have briefly addressed on previous podcasts. Shared, although has been a quality run-stopping defensive end for you, um, you do have Justin Houston, you do have Kamoko Ture, uh, Taiko and Lewis, uh, Ben Banigou, uh, and, and others that, I, that maybe I don't, I can't think of it off the top of my head at the moment. Um, but you have plenty of depth on that defensive line, and although they might not be run-stoppers first. Um, they're still part of their job is to stop the run, if that makes sense. And so I I don't think they're really looking for, for a specific kind of player, maybe an Everson Griffin to come in and fill that Jabal Sheard role. Um, I don't know, Cody, what are your thoughts? You sign a guy like Griffin. Uh, I love Jabal Sheard. I think he's been one of the best, arguably one of the best defenders on the Colts ever since he was signed in 2017. But um, if you can get a guy like Everson Griffin, who's about the same age and it gives you more upside in terms of pass rushing, I'm all for it. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, one of those guys, I think you probably should bring back, should bring in, uh, whether I think Sheard's probably going to be cheaper, but Griffin offers you, like I mentioned, uh, more in the pass rush department. So, um, yeah, I think you probably should bring one of those guys. And also, man, DeForest Buckner you know, we always talk about how good of a pass rusher he is. He's an elite run defender, too. I was watching some highlights earlier to Forrest Buckner. I was like, my goodness, this guy is like, he, he's good at everything, right? He's elite at everything. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably what I would do there at that one. Awesome. John Puppetman asks what's the future for adam vinatieri will he be released or retired well he's also a free agent so he won't be released for sure but uh that's a good question that is the question will adam vinatieri come back for another season uh like i mentioned earlier in the podcast uh chris ballard said he's had conversation with the vinatieri and he's going to go, you know, continue to work through rehab, continue to rehab from that injury last year, kind of see how he feels and then go from there. But that's really all the news we have right now on Vinatieri. So I don't really feel like we need to answer this one because we already kind of addressed it. But uh, yeah, we can just move on to the next one, Lindsay. I can answer this next one first. 
All right. Timothy Gerbig asks, after the recent move the Colts have made, is there a realistic chance they will draft a ride receiver at both 34 and 44 or possibly a combination of a wide receiver and a tight end? Yeah, I really like the wide receiver and tight end combination. If I was choosing between wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, I would probably go wide receiver, tight end. Um, you got a guy like Cole Komet, um, who is just a fantastic all around player. I watched him at Notre Dame. I can tell you that he's, he's awesome. And I would love to see him in a Colts uniform. Uh, or, you know, you got some other receiving threats, Bryson Hopkins. And then, then there's some other guys there that I like the, you know, the two Indiana guys there I wanted to kind of point out, but, um, yeah, overall, I would like wide receiver tight end because, a lot of people argue that wide receiver is the biggest need. I'm almost inclined to say tight end is almost as big a need, if not more, simply because I feel like you've invested more resources at this point into your wide receiver group. And you kind of know who your top three wide receivers are ideally going to be next year. Um, you know, you at least know three guys who are going to be on your roster. But beyond Jack Doyle, like Mo Ali Cox is such an unknown at this point. I mean, he's a physical freak, good run blocker, but. He just hasn't put it all together yet. So you just have no idea what you're going to get from him. Um, and the Colts just do not have with the, with Ebron not coming back. They don't have a guy at the tight end position that scares you. You know, if you're a defensive coordinator planning to play the Colts um, on Sunday, he does, they don't have anybody right now. There's not a guy that you're like, okay, we need to double team him in the red zone. You know, we got to watch out for him. We got to make sure that he doesn't beat us. You know, Jack Doyle, I love Jack Doyle. I'm a big Jack Doyle guy, but let's be real. He's not a guy that's going to scare you vertically. He's just not. Um, and that's just not his game. And I think the Colts just need to add a guy like that who can do that. Um, kind of fill that Eric Ebron role, a red zone threat. Um, Phillip Rivers, like you mentioned, Andrew, he's a guy that loves to give his receivers and his tight ends 50-50 balls to go up and get it. And I think just bringing in a, a big wide receiver and also a big tight end, I'm all for it. I absolutely am. As am I, Cody. Um, I think you, you pretty much hit every point um, there. Yeah, if I had to choose, I, I, I would go with wide receiver tight end uh, as well. Um, you mentioned the, the starting wide receivers. I think the Colts, within the last several years, have invested quite a bit of draft picks uh, in free agency as well. Um, to address the wideout position, I think that they could potentially. Um, I think they it, sort of in a, a shocking twist, if you will. I think they could take a, a tight end at 34 and then wait to take a receiver at 44. Because I'm with you, Cody. I think you could make an argument that that tight end is a is a bigger need than wide receiver because you know, as you said, um, Jack Doyle doesn't really scare you vertically. He's more of a run blocker, um, a solid pass catcher, but more of a run blocker. And Frank Reich loves the tight ends. And if he can get somebody in the draft that can stretch the field vertically, I think it's going to significantly enhance this Colts offense uh, in 2020. Luke Larrymore asks, do you think T.Y. Hilton is still able to be the number one receiver this year? Great question, Luke. Um, Yes, I do. Uh, and this is why. As Cody sort of mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys, uh, and be that in the receiving core, are sort of unproven. Paris Campbell to this point is unproven. Um, man, I can't think of the other guys at the moment. Paris Campbell, 
You have T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you have Zach Pascal. Um, he, although he had a nice season, um, he never really was your number one guy. Uh, T.Y. Hilton had not been for injuries this past season. Uh, certainly your number one guy. And I think that continues to, to be so moving forward until somebody else uh, proves Chris Ballard in this Colts staff uh, otherwise. been the Colts receiver really ever since he was drafted um yeah I he he's got to be your number one receiver you have so much unknown there at receiver right now um if T.Y. Hilton can get back to staying healthy he can definitely be a threat I mean he had some games last year even though you know it wasn't his best season it was kind of a down year for T.Y. Hilton in terms of production and also just he was injured a lot uh didn't have an elite quarterback thrown in the ball so his stats were down um, but having a guy like Rivers who gives him chances, I think is going to be big. Um, I don't think we've seen the last of T.Y. Hilton, though. I think he's such a competitive guy. Um, and now giving him a guy that's going to give him chances, I think T.Y. Hilton's going to love it. So um, I have faith in T.Y. Hilton that he's going to bounce back. Um, we saw it in, I believe it was 2017 with Jacoby. It was one of T.Y. Hilton's worst seasons. Um, he didn't, it was one of his only seasons beyond this last season that he didn't have a thousand yards. He was super close, but he didn't have it. Um, and that was elite T.Y. Hilton. And so I, I think that he's due for a bounce back year. I really do. And, uh, I'm excited to see if Philip Rivers, how and when Philip Rivers gives him chances to go make plays and if he can still do it. Damon Diaz asks, what is Balliard's window to win? And then he continues to say, y'all marked a good point in last podcast about Ballard's seasons. I know his situation has been much more challenging than others in past GMs, but can he may have another losing season? Thank you for, for sending that one in, Damon. Um, yeah, so I think that to answer the first question, Ballard's window is this year. He's he's shown he's all in for this year. He believes that he has a good core of young guys adding in Phillip rivers, adding in a few more defensive guys. I think Chris Ballard's ready to win now. And he's got a, he's got a draft to also help out his team. And so I think his window is this year. Uh, but I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. If it doesn't work out this year, if it all blows up in his face, he's still got a pretty nice young core there. I mean, the last couple of years, all of his drafts have netted him some good young pieces on the, either offense or defense. And so uh, I think the Colts are in good shape either way. Um, but I think Ballard thinks that, you know, there was a, obviously um, every part of the, the Colts had flaws last year. That's, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs for a reason. Um, but now you added a Forrest Buckner, an elite three tech, which three tech, I would argue was your worst position, your worst production from any position on the defense last year. You turn a weakness into a strength there. Um, you know, with a quarterback position, I would argue that was one of your weaknesses there. And you think on paper that you added it to be a strength potentially there with the, with what Philip Rivers has done in his career and uh, just the overall passing offense that he provides for you there. Uh, so I think Phil, I think this, these moves definitely are something that that Chris Ballard says uh, says yeah um, we're ready to win now. But in regards to the other part of that question, it really has been such a crazy, crazy thing for Chris Ballard in his tenure. Just think about it first for a second here. 2017, he's given a lame duck coach in Chuck Pagano. He doesn't get to choose his coach right away, which is kind of odd for a GM. 
Uh, but he has to roll with a lame duck coach for one year. You know, they win four games. Not a good football team at all. He basically has to release half of the team pretty much. Um, now you look back on, you know, from when Chris Ballard first took over in 2017 to now. I'm trying to I'm, – I'm struggling to find guys that are still on the roster. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, uh, Anthony Costanzo, Ryan Kelly. I mean, th- that's it. I think that's it. Maybe there's another guy that I'm missing, but there, there really is not anybody from that old regime there. And that just is a testament to what Ballard has done. But like I said, 2017, that happens. He finally gets his chance to hire a coach, and what happens? His coach leaves him at the altar, right? Josh McDaniels agrees to a deal, and then it says, see you later. I don't want to come to Indianapolis, psych. And then, obviously, Edwin Jackson, that, that incident that happens that same season, right you know, within a week, that all happens. And, and Chris Ballard has to weather that. You know, a guy who's only been a GM for one year has to weather all of that stuff. And then, obviously, uh, he has a good year in 2018. 2019, right before the season, his star quarterback says, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And he has to roll Jacoby Brissett. It has not been an easy road for Chris Ballard. Every single offseason, he's had something that has happened out of his control that he has had to basically go to plan B, plan C. He's had to do it. And it's just been crazy. And I think that's why, for me, I give him a lot more grace than I would if he came in and he didn't have to encounter any of this stuff. Cause this stuff is just unpredictable stuff that happens in the league stuff that Chris Ballard cannot control. But I think all, all things considered, I think he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, he's drafted, he drafted two first team, all pros in the same draft back to back picks, which is pretty incredible historic even. Um, and then obviously he's got some really good pieces there. You know, Marlon Mack, he found a really nice steal there in the, in the fourth round, Anthony Walker in the fifth round of 2017. Uh, you know, Malik Hooker, as there's been so much debate about Malik Hooker, but, you know, I think he's still been a decent guy for you there. Um, and there's, there's just other guys, you know, that, that the Colts have added that have provided a lot of good stuff for you in the draft. And so uh, overall, I think that Chris Ballard has done a phenomenal job given the circumstances that he's been put in a lot of times. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what happens now. If everything goes the way that it should. And Chris Ballard finally has an off season where he doesn't have to deal with something crazy like that happening. 100% agree with everything you said, Cody. I'm not really going to spend too much time uh, addressing the question because I think you hit on a lot of key points that I was going to. Um, everything aside that Chris Ballard has been through, I give him an A+. Plus. I really do. Uh, you mentioned the amount of draft um, quality players that he's drafted rather since his tenure here in 2017, drafting Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, two first-team All-Pro players the first time since, I believe, Dick Budkiss and Gail Sayers of the Chicago Bears. Uh, so you could certainly call that uh, historic. And then you have the un- unforeseen circumstances go on with Josh McDaniels, uh, Edwin Jackson, Jackson, and Andrew Luck's sudden retirement. Obviously, those things are out of his control, as you mentioned. Um, putting everything, all of that aside, Chris Ballard has done a phenomenal job. And I, and I think, honestly, unless the Colts were to just somehow lose all 16 games, um, or, you know, only win one or two. 
I think that's that's the only way you're you're looking at a potential hot seat, if you will, for Ballard. And even then, I think you look at, like I said, the amount of stuff um, or the amount of quality players that he's brought in since his tenure here in 2017. Even then, I think it would be really hard for Jim Irsay to say, okay, you know, you better figure it out, or there are going to be consequences. Emilio Jimenez asks, is Kamoko Ture ready to fill in sheared shoes? And how many bad games does Rivers need in order to, for the Colts to put Jacoby back as back out as a starting QB? That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, barring you know another awful unforeseen injury from Kamako Ture. Um, yeah, I think he's ready to fill that role. I think he's, we've seen flashes of him, uh, during this past preseason. We saw, I think the season before he had multiple sacks, uh, in a game and then overall was, was extremely productive as well. I don't think he's as, as an elite run stopper as Sheer. Um, but as far as the pass rushing element, absolutely. I think he's capable of filling those shoes. Um, I think he's sort of the one of those Colts that, like I said, if he stays healthy, is sort of flying under the radar. I don't think enough people are talking about how solid and how good of a player Kamoko Ture can really be. Uh, and then to answer your second part of the question, um, with Philip Rivers and how many bad games he has to have before he gets put to the bench, you know, that's a, that's a question that I haven't really thought of, honestly. Um, yeah, I think it has to be honestly horrid. I think you have to. I, th- I think you have to have something similar to what you had last year—a passing game that is doesn't scare any opposing defense. I think you have to see. And this isn't a shot at Peyton Manning because we here at Colts Nation love Peyton Manning, but I think you have to have sort of what you had with Peyton Manning in 2015—a guy that we saw whose arm wasn't as good as it was in years past. He was losing zip, velocity, accuracy. And that Denver defense carried him to that Super Bowl. Um, I think you'd have to see something similar with Phillip Rivers in terms of his arm strength, his accuracy, his velocity, and overall play in order for Chris Ballard and Frank Reich to put Jacoby back out there. Regards to Kamoko Ture, he was the guy that was really turning it up last year at the beginning of 2019. He was a guy, he was definitely, hands down, the Colts' best pass rusher last year until he went down in that Kansas city game, really unfortunate injury. You know, he's out for the season. I think it's break. I think it was an ankle. He broke an ankle last year. Uh, it was near the end of that Kansas city game. He was just absolutely a force that game. Uh, he's a guy, man, that like you said, barring a setback and another injury, he's a guy that's ready to ascend to the next level. He's been working with Robert Mathis a lot from what we've seen. Um, he's a guy that has a lot of those traits that Chris Ballard, loves and that's why he drafted him in the second round in 2018 um he's he's just a you know he's a guy that can ascend here um barring another injury um to being one of your best pass rushers on your team um i felt like he took a huge leap in 2019 and who knows what would have happened if he would have continued to play all 16 games but if he's able to do that i'm super excited to see what he does there i think he offered you a bunch of upside there i think out of all the second round picks, he's the guy that I have the most confidence is going to put it all together in terms of what we've seen here um, from these guys in the, the last few years. Uh, okay. So yeah, for the Philip rivers one, I would agree, Andrew, I think he just has to be absolutely terrible. 
I think your offense just has to be absolutely terrible. You have to be on a losing streak in order for that to happen. Cause you don't go and pay a quarterback $25 million to have him ride the bench. You just don't. And I just think, yeah, it just has to be something where the wheels fall off. You are absolutely terrible. You decide we're going to tank. You know, we can't do this. He's just costing us games, right? Similar to, you know, Vinatieri last year, but more so with a quarterback, he's cost, he really is costing us games. He's throwing interceptions. You know, he's turning the ball over. I think that's what you, what's got to happen in order for that to happen. But um, I don't obviously foresee that happening, but in the event that it would, that would probably be the only way I, I could ever realistically see that happen. Caleb J asks, what do you think about offering Philip Rivers and Brissett for Deshaun Watson? Um, and then he asks also, should we make a move for him in free agency next year instead? <laughs> wow. What a question. Uh, I think the Texans, well, you would think the Texans would laugh that offer up and be like, wait, you're serious. <laughs> uh, but again, Bill O'Brien's a guy who traded DeAndre Hopkins for nothing for an aging running back. So I wouldn't put it past Bill O'Brien, but if the Texans are stupid enough to let Deshaun Watson be a free agent next year and they don't lock him up for the next 10 years, <laughs> yes, you have to. I mean, you have to. You absolutely have to. That would solve such a huge problem. Uh, Deshaun Watson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Cody. Um, as, as odd of a trade as that may seem, you have Bill O'Brien running the show. And as we've said multiple times on this podcast, the Texans, and more specifically O'Brien, sort of the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, as you mentioned, you traded away DeAndre Hopkins, perhaps one of the best two or three wide receivers in football um, for you know deck furniture and lawn chairs, basically. Uh, it was bad. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they at least considered that kind of a trade. Uh, and then as far as him hitting the open market next year, 100% agree. If the Texans aren't smart enough to lock him up for the long haul, similar to what Chris Ballard did with DeForest Buckner this year, um, obviously not the same circumstance because you wouldn't be trading for Watson. I think you offer Watson a four or five year deal. Um, and you say, come to Indy and, um, let's make things happen. Not happening, right? Like that's not happening. Like that would be the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you literally let him go and he goes to your division rival. That's not going to happen. I'm just going to be real. It's not going to happen. Unless Bill O'Brien is, I mean, we, we can berate him all we want for that DeAndre Hopkins pick, uh, that trade. But if he lets that happen, if he lets the Texans, how long have the Texans been searching for a franchise quarterback? I mean, the, it's been so long. You You can make a list of all the quarterbacks they tried to draft that they'd want to be Deshaun Watson and, and they don't even come close. And so, yeah, if the Texans are that stupid, <laughs> you do it, but it's, I, it can't happen. It just, it just can't. Lucas Robbins asks, which would you rather have add Everson Griffin and Eric Berry for a one year deal or Clowney for a one to two year deal for the Colts with the remaining cap? That's a great question. Um, you know, if I had to pick, I'd say Everson Griffin and Eric Berry, uh, sort of for the reason that I mentioned earlier. Cloudy's looking for, as far as I can tell, um, somewhere where he could come in and sort of prove himself on a short-term deal because he knows, as of right now, the market isn't really there 
the the kind of money that he is commanding isn't there. Um, so Everson Griffin and Eric Berry, I think bring a lot of more so Well, first of all, they don't bring as big of an injury history. Um, I mean, I guess you can maybe argue Barry. And then secondly, I think they, they might be, a, you know, a bit older, but I think they bring a lot of more leadership qualities and they meet a lot of the character traits that Chris Bauer looks for when bringing in a player to this Colts locker room. So if it were me, I'd have to go with Everson Griffin and Eric Barry on a one-year deal uh, over Jadavian Clowney. Agree. Uh, I would definitely do that. It's not even close for me. I mean, you could sign both those guys for cheaper than you could sign that one guy. And um, what kind of message does that send to your locker room to um, a guy who's commanding that kind of money, who's in it for the money. Let's be real. Like Jadavian Clowney has basically said, I want 20 million and I'm not going to take any less than that. I just think it doesn't speak well to the locker room. It doesn't really make sense from a Chris Ballard standpoint. Um, from the guys that he's brought in and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I would definitely go to Everson Griffin, Eric Berry uh, before Clowney 10 out of 10 times. Lucas asks if you could pick one non hall of famer or eventual hall of famer from the two thousands Colts to join the current Colts team in their prime, who would it be not including Manning, Marvin edge, Dungy, Pline, Mathis, Freeney, and Saturday. Hmm. I appreciate you trying to pronounce all those names. I know some of them were tricky, but, oh, man, he took a lot of them away, a lot of good players away that I would want to want to be on that team. Um, probably right now with the Colts' needs, I don't know if he said Dallas Clark, but I'd probably take Dallas Clark because he's exactly the kind of tight end that you need right now in this offense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, tight end is probably the missing piece. If you're ma- if you're taking away both of those receivers, uh, I'd probably go Dallas Clark there at tight end. I'm right there with you, Cody. Um, Bob Sanders, unless I, I misheard, he took him away as well. Is a name that comes to mind, uh, you know, because I know some people are as high on Malik Cooker um, as maybe we are. Um, so maybe Bob Sanders is a guy that could come in in that um, typical scenario and replace hooker. Um, but other than Sanders, I would definitely go with, with Clark seeing the, the major need it, a tight end that can vertically stretch the field. Dre asks, do you think it would make more sense to trade Brissette if a QB is a drafter effectively making the new franchise QB and Chad Kelly, the backups and saving cap space in the process? So that's a great question, actually. And I, I'm not sure it would necessarily be easier to trade away Brissett just because as Cody and I touched on earlier, we're not really sure if the market's there for him in terms of trade value. And we know how much Chris Ballard is high on Brissett in terms of his character and the amount of leadership he brings to this Colts locker room. So he's not just going to trade him away uh, like Bill O'Brien did for deck furniture and lawn chairs. Basically um, we, we know that much. We, you know, that's how much Jacoby Brissett means to this team and this organization. But if the Colts were to draft a quarterback in the second or maybe even third round, that to me, you know, speaks, okay, we believe in this guy. We think if he sits behind Rivers for a season or two, because remember, Rivers did say that he was wanting to potentially play past this 2020 season. So if indeed that does happen, you combine that with drafting a quarterback, um, I guess that would make the, the draftee the backup to Rivers and then Chad Kelly behind the drafted quarterback. And then you would obviously trade away Bursette. 
that that to me would make sense. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. And that was the reason why I said earlier in the podcast, um, the reason why I think they have Brissett is if they don't get a quarterback, they would just keep him and roll with him for another year. But if you do get a quarterback, and let's say in this scenario, you do draft a quarterback second or third round, maybe even later, and you feel like he's a guy that you want to rely on, you want to be your backup. I mean, if you trade Brissett, I believe it's like over 10 million. I don't know how the exact numbers there, but as opposed to just outright cutting him, I think you save a couple more million there. So I would definitely uh, trade Jacoby Brissett. I know that Chris Ballard has been adamant that he wants to make sure Brissett goes to the right organization. I mean, that's the kind of respect they have for Jacoby Brissett. But for me, you save a lot of money. You have a lot of money tied up in your quarterbacks right now. You really do. I think you have one of the most, maybe the most uh, money tied up into your starter and backup quarterback, presumably. But if you do draft a quarterback in this scenario, I would definitely trade Brissett. You save some cash. Then you can, it can allow you to, to bring back some of your own guys. Um, you know, maybe that's Molly Cooker bringing him back, re-signing him. Ryan Kelly, Marlon Mack, one of those guys next year. So I would definitely do that if I had the choice. Yeah, I, I would definitely do that. If in this scenario, if you do draft a quarterback there early or you feel like you draft a guy a little bit later that you feel like can be that starter, be that backup guy you want to develop a little bit. Carl Chamberlain asks, how do you think Ballard is going to bolster the offense? And are there any good fits for free agents still on the market for the offense? Yeah, good question there man we just touched on the so like all the really the receivers that i would be interested in maybe like geronimo geronimo allison's one guy maybe but i'm not really like if he couldn't do it with with aaron Rodgers, i don't know how how much i'm interested in bringing him in but yeah as far as the offense nobody really stands out i think you could you'd be better served to just draft some people i think the colts probably should address at least with two of their three picks, at least tight end wide receiver. So I, I would definitely say all signs are pointing to the Colts doing that in the draft. So that's probably where I would see them going there to address the wide receiver in this offense. 100% agree with you, Cody. Um, I don't really have anything else to add. Lindsay, whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and move on to the next question. Believe Blue asks, with the roster getting bolstered in talent for a win-now mode, how many and what changes will you make if 2020 ended in missing the playoffs? Oh, man. Uh, that's, a, that's a really intriguing question. Thank you for that. Um, you, you know, if I were in Chris Ballard's shoes, honestly, that's it, it'd be really hard for me personally to know what changes I'm making based on I think it would come down to how well you know first of all you start with the quarterback and then you know how well your your receivers are if you bring in maybe a couple of rookies and they don't perform um, as well expect them to maybe they they you know t- take a, a back seat if you will and they, they take some time to learn and then maybe you have some defenders that that don't play as well you know the Xavier Rhodes signing, for example, if that doesn't pan out, that's a one-year deal. Same thing with Sheldon Day uh, and Phillip Rivers. Obviously, if he doesn't pan out or doesn't play well, um, you're not tied to him long-term. But it's personally, uh, it's hard for me to see what kind of changes I'd make without really knowing what both the offense and defense look like or looked like production-wise in 2020. 
Yeah, you touched on good points there, Andrew. To add to that point, I think for me, it, it really depends on why you miss the playoffs. And you touched on that, Andrew. Is it the quarterback play? Is it the defensive play? And if it is, what position do you need to address? And really how and also, you know, it ultimately comes down to how did some of these things happen? You know, how did how did some of these work out? And also some of those guys that could put a could have potentially been there at 13, you know, was it worth trading away 13? That's something you need to consider going to the next next year's draft. And certainly, you know, I think regardless of if you go best case scenario, you're one of the best teams in the AFC, or worst case scenario, you miss the playoffs. I think regardless of what happens, you still need to address the quarterback position. You still do. Because Phil Rivers isn't getting any younger. He could have a great season in twenty nine in twenty twenty, rather, and you still gotta address it. You gotta find your future guy. And I think, you know, it'll it really doesn't depend, you know, it really doesn't matter, I guess, for me whether or not that happens. But in the event that it does happen, I think, you know, maybe you you cut ties with some of those guys who are getting a little bit up there in age. Um, if they start to fall off or there's some guys who haven't really performed up to their draft status. Maybe you start seeing some of those guys going other places, Colts trying to fix some of those positions, but it's really tricky for tricky for me to say right now, as we stand here a, a month out before the draft and the Colts and all these guys that they have signed, haven't played a snap of a football yet. So yeah, that's probably where I would go to. Caleb green asks, what do you think the best way for the Colts to address the wide receiver issue uh free agent draft or trade yeah we just touched on this one probably draft i don't know andrew did you see you probably did brandon cooks of the rams he said he tweeted out free me uh so that would be an interesting one that i would look into maybe i don't know what the rams would be asking Heck, I think he got traded away from the Patriots for a first-round pick, so definitely not willing to give that. But if the price goes down for Brandon Cooks, mid-round pick, I would do it. Uh, but probably and most likely the Rams are going to want something more, so I'd probably just stick with the draft there. Yeah, I completely agree 100%, Cody. As we mentioned earlier, I think the Colts, are their best option is to draft some wide receivers or a wide receiver thing with with brandon cooks is i I did see that um as you said he'll probably he's probably going to command a first round pick or at least that's what the rams are going to try and command uh, out of him considering that's what they traded for him um and and chris ballard trading away a first round pick for deforest buckner i it's just it just sounds unrealistic to me for him to 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 fork over another first round pick in next year's draft to get a guy in cooks who although is considered among the, the best and lead deep threats in the game I could argue or we could make an argument that we already have several guys in that, like a T.Y. Hill and a Paris Campbell. And, and the other thing, too, is is the Colts now with Devin Funches being gone are, are missing that big body wide receiver. And I think their focus is going to primarily be on finding somebody like a, a Devin Funches in this draft rather than just an elite take the top off of the defense kind of receiver uh, in a Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that was all the questions we had for this part, part one. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Andrew, as always. And and thank you, Lindsay, for, I know this is kind of unfamiliar territory for you. Um, You don't, you know, you've told me you want to learn football a little bit more, but it's not really something that you naturally are drawn to as much as we are. And so I know this is all unfamiliar to you, but appreciate you coming on both of you guys coming on and 
we'll definitely have a part two here. I don't know when it'll be, maybe in a few weeks here. But yeah, I think it was a good overall successful first one. Thank you guys for submitting all your questions for sure. It was uh, definitely a lot of fun to answer them. And like I said at the beginning, definitely don't worry if we didn't get to your question. We will get to all those questions in part two whenever we decide to record that in the coming weeks. So yeah, I think that's it for this podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe, guys, as always. And as always, go Colts.